You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I said this before in the same interview, I think uh, sometime before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there, just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ty Tucker, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Ty. Thank you, Queen, for being with me. This is your first time as a special guest co-host. So if you will, say hello to the intellectual outcast out there. Hi, everybody. I'm, I'm so honored to be here today. <laughs> No, absolutely. We got a very special show that I specifically asked you to be on, and so we'll go ahead and let the cat out the bag on the discussion question, if you will, before we introduce our special guest. The discussion question is internal dialogue, ego versus inner voice, which is which? Eternal dialogue, ego versus inner voice, which is which? If you are a first-time listener, I go by the name Black Socrates, so I do the show in the form of a question, and our goal is if we ask the right questions, maybe we can get to the right answers. And we have a very special guest that's related to this topic as well. But Again, before we introduce our guest, Ty, if you will, just give them a little bit of your background, and then we'll introduce uh, Dr. G as we um, uh Call, call our guests, but if you will, Queen, yeah, give a little bit of your background, and then we'll have them talk to Dr. G. Okay. Um, well, um, well, my name is Ty Tucker. Uh, currently, I am a PhD candidate uh, where I'm in the field of social work, where I'm studying the impact of racism and ableism, and prior to coming here, I did practice um, a little bit of therapy trying to get my clinical hours, but then I stopped to, you know, to come to school. Um, I have a bachelor's in psychology. My, my master's is, is in social work, and I have a small business back at home. But I'm just so honored to be here, so I guess I don't know what else to say. <laughs> now, have you said everything that you needed to say? Basically, you're in this field, and that's why I requested you to be our co-host. Um, so you are getting introduced as one of our Queens of Intellect members uh, for our intellectual outcasts out there listening. Dr. G, you've been on the show before. Dr. Gerald Hassel. 
uh, formally, if you will. But Dr. G, if you will, say hello to the intellectual outcast and give them a little bit of background as we get into this morning's discussion question. Yes, good morning. Good morning. My name is Dr. Gerald Hassell. I'm a psychologist. I've been working in the field since the 1980s. Got my doctorate degree in 1997, did my dissertation on the impact of father absence on African-American boys, and uh, have been in private practice for 25 years, done many, many different things in the field of psychology. I'm currently semi-retired and living in Cancun. Love it. Beautiful. I know a lot about that move, getting, in a sense, out of the States and just really enjoying your best life at this point. So glad to have you on, King. With that said, we're going to get started the way we always start. Ty, you are a long-time listener, so you've heard this process. This is your first time, if you will, I'll say on the spot. When you heard the question, internal dialogue, ego versus inner voice, which is which? When you heard the question worded that particular way, can you recall your first initial thought? My initial thought was this is exciting. This is going to be a good one um, because I do think that sometimes there's a, it's really challenging to distinguish the difference. And sometimes um, when we kind of go within ourselves, we're, you know, you may be hearing your ego, is it the inner voice, is it your nervous system? <laughs> um, and, and so I thought that this right here was going to be a really needed dialogue um, to kind of help people strategize to kind of come, come back to their inner truth. No, I love it. Same question for you, Dr. G, if you will. When you heard the question worded, I said, hey, I need you for this show. And I always come get you for these type of shows. But when you heard it worded that way, what was your first initial thought? Yeah, similar to the other guests. I mean, like one of the things that first came to my mind was interesting, you know, to be able to unpack this and and kind of deconstruct it and put it back together from a position of power can be very beneficial to your listeners, you know, it's something that is unavoidable, like we are all subject to it. So the question is, who is the programming and what are they programming us to think? Right. So to be able to deconstruct this topic, man, is relevant to every living being on the planet right now. So I thought it was extremely interesting. No, absolutely, and thank you for, again, being part of that. Uh, I thought about this this morning, and I was like, man, I wish I would have called it mental dialogue ego versus inner voice. And I thought about that this morning because I did some promotion for the show, eternal dialogue, mental dialogue, because what I said in one of the promotions, which I've been saying for years when it comes to the actual, if you will, title of the radio show, for those that don't know, this is actually an extension of our community club, which is the mental dialogue community club. Uh, This show is just a way that we stay basically in in, uh, communication every weekend. Uh, for our community club, because what I've always said about mental dialogue is if we can improve the conversation inside of your own head, you will be better. Therefore, the community will be better. And so ultimately, uh, for all of the live events that we have in the community club here in the Atlanta area, um, again, we use this weekend to stay in contact with each other and to have deeper dialogues, because that's what we're constantly doing. Uh, As our motto say, all I ask is that you think. Uh, But as you said, Dr. G, this conversation is really attuned and powerful for all of us because I think if I remember even when, when I was talking to you about it, uh, if I, and this is something that uh, some people will go obviously go deeper into this after we get to the, go through the break, but if I remember our initial talk, um, part of your understanding 
if I, again, I may have this wrong, but you can correct me if I do. But part of your understanding of, okay, what are we trying to have a conversation about is even the distinction of people even understanding that there is an inner voice that's not their ego because so many of us are, are unaware of, quote, unquote, the true voice. And, again, I think that's I recall is kind of just trying to clear, get that clarity when we were first discussing. But um, at the end of the day, even if, you know, even if we didn't have that mix-up, there is a difference, and most people are unaware of that. Is that fair? we got about a minute and a half before break, so I'll go ahead and give you a thought, and then we'll go to break, Dr. Dr. G. Yeah, I mean, you know, to make the distinction between the ego and the true inner voice, um, I think probably we can look at it from the perspective of conscious and then the subconscious, being unconscious, right? So, you know, when we have our thoughts and we're thinking, we are having a conscious dialogue and conversation. But then there is a deeper layer, which is in the subconscious, and there is this subliminal conversation that is taking place that is really based on making decisions and not so much thoughts, right? So this really deeper level is a decision maker. The conscious level, if we say it's the ego, are the thoughts, right? So, you know, we can take a look at how do we, one, become aware of the inner dialogue, and then two, how do we go deeper into the subconscious to see what has been planted there, sort of like a virus on a computer software was planted there, and then begin to reprogram that subconscious mind, because that's where really the decisions are made. Nah, that's a very good distinction. And even me listening to you uh, wanting to do this show and, and, and I was curious about this type of thing. I love that whether decisions are actually made. I've never even thought of it or heard it that way. We'll be right back. We're listening to the Mental Dialogue talk show. We'll get hot and heavy into this morning's discussion question, internal dialogue, ego versus inner voice, which is which. The phone number to get in if you want to ask a question of our special guest is 646 646- Seven eight seven one six nine one. You will have to press one to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. Where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Hey, Smidoff, where you find that Prince Sign of the Times on vinyl at? Real talk, you got a dope vinyl collection. What, you been collecting them, like, over the years or something? No, actually, I just started my collection. But my man Tobago over at DBS Sounds, he be hooking me up. You remember DBS Sounds? On the south side? They still around? I figured most of the record stores in Atlanta be closed by now. Hey, vinyl is the new wave, and DBS Sounds got the best collection in town. You can still go there and flip through vinyl. They still got CDs and mixtapes, too. Let me check the IG page at DBS Sounds ATL. 
They still be having artists in stores and everything. Hey, you want to run by there? Hey, man, I ain't got time right now. I got to go back to Cali tomorrow, but I might have to catch them next time. Man. Oh, nah, you good. Even when you get home, you can just shop at their online store at dbssounds.com. They'll ship directly to you anywhere in the country. Matter of fact, jump on dbssounds.com on your phone and order straight from there. Word? Hey, I'm about to get my music game up. Hey, what's their address? In case I get a chance to swing by there, I'm, I'm going to pick up that new Kendra Lamar CD. Oh, they at 6604 Highway 85, Riverdale, Georgia. Bet. Self is what creation gave you, is what nature gave you. You know? You come from the womb, you come into this life. That's self. But while growing up, based on the condition and based on your environment that you're growing, it develops a false state of self, a false sense of being. How does the ego affect mental health? The ego creates false world around self misleading self in the wrong direction causing self to malfunction when caught up with reality but if you're already in the condition of suffering from psychic sickness seek physician seek a good friend who's overstanding who you can sit and tell your problems explain yourself because if you don't have anyone to talk to Trust me and believe me, your own mind going to start to play tricks on you. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ty Tucker. Our special guest is Dr. Gerald Hassell, a.k.a. Dr. G, for this morning's discussion question, internal dialogue, ego versus inner voice, which is which? So here are a nice little cut speaking of the concept of self and understanding, if you will, that inner dialogue. Dr. G, if you will, anything that stood out to you uh, from that cut that we heard, if you will, King? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I agree with what, 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 what was being said. You know, the only distinction that I would make is that um, the self is the ego. Right. And so, like, for example, if you take a look at gender, right, the self is then trained through culture and society. Males have a certain value and females have a different value. You know, so this becomes a part of how we identify as self. This is where male privilege comes from. And it may be even what the other guest is talking about in terms of ability, uh, ableness, and, and I look forward to hearing it, is that society begins to tell us who the self is, and that becomes the ego construct, right? And that changes consistently and constantly, right? So, for example, when you, I'll use your example, right? When, when you're in the military, yourself, your identity was changed and molded and added to, subtracted from in terms of being a soldier, right? And, and so the self is, is, is very malleable. It, it can change. When a woman becomes a mother, now 
herself is being different. It's changed, you know. It's being redefined. So, so in principle, I agree with, with, with what he said definitely. Particularly the part where, you know, your mind will play tricks on you. So you you have to you have to seize control of it without a doubt, consistently every day. Right. That's the difficult part. The difficult part is seizing control and not knowing that you need to. Because wouldn't you say that's, in a sense, the bigger issue is like when, when you're, if you're fortunate enough to, in a sense, have your basic needs met in life as a human. You know, you, be, you, get, you get beyond, um, not that everybody has had to survive, if you will, but just understanding, if you will, just even bringing in um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it's like, you know, to a degree, it's not until you have your basics met that you're even able to extend and think about some of even a dialogue such as this, right? And so you you once they've when, once they've met, you could be, as you mentioned earlier, Dr. G, be in control and never even know because you don't know that you even need to seize control. So that's what makes this conversation powerful in my mind, is just being aware of not not of, of of the fact that yourself or ego, as you say, is not who you truly are. That ends up being a huge issue. One more thought on that, and I would love to hear um, Ty's thoughts, so she may have a question for you as well. No, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, awareness is, is the first key, you know, so uh, I would agree with you 100%. Cause, you know, we, 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 until we are aware of in the dialogue and how it's been programmed, you can't change it. Yeah, you'll just mindlessly go on and never know that that part of your mind is actually creating a lot of the issues that you feel like you've had to overcome and you don't even know it's coming from self. But, Todd, please jump in, Queen. You can thoughts about the cut, Dr. G, or any questions you may have. Um, yeah, I just really love where, um, the, the direction of the conversation and how it's going. Um, I think the word seize control, I think that's really powerful because I do think it takes an awareness, but then even the nuances of that to where seize control of specifically what aspects. So let's say if we're talking about, okay, I'm a woman, I'm, I'm a woman without a child, but now I become a mother, um, that is a constantly changing new role. And so how do you find the balance to kind of say, I recognize this new identity, but what happens to the prior one? And so I'm, I, I was going to ask the question, how do you learn really who you are, you know? And at, at what point, like, what does that process look like? Because it does seem like to kind of seize control of something, you have to have awareness that um, something has changed, but specifically what has changed? Is that a positive and negative thing? And then how do you grow within your times or grow within your environment to know if that change is possibly a good thing for the new conditions that you're under? So you're putting that in the, in the form. Now, I, I agree. I agree definitely with, you know, how do you know, again, we get back to awareness um, and, and, you know, these various different roles, how do we learn to function in these different roles? I would, I would take a look at it from the other side of the coin, um, in addition to what the other guest has said, 
is how do we prescribe, how do we define, how do we script how we function in the role? I believe that we are the director, the producer, the writer, and the star of the show. And once we become aware of that, we can write the script and then grow into that script, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, for, for a woman who becomes a mother and, and, and a wife, right, she can either be assigned a definition of how that role functions, and this is what has happened for hundreds of years, right? This is, this mm-hmm. is, this is what, what society has defined how women are supposed to function. But now we see in this current moment in time that women are seizing control and being defined for themselves what is going to happen to their body, right? Defined for themselves how they will function as mothers and as wives, right? And, and I think that when you see the ability, when you kind of pull back the curtain and see through the illusion of the ego and what is been assigning to you, you can then begin to say, you know what, this doesn't work for me. And how do I know it doesn't work for me? It doesn't work for me because it doesn't feel good. It causes anxiety. It causes stress, right? I, I don't feel like I'm being my true self. My vibrations are consistently and constantly low, right? And so I need to make some type of change. And, and so I think that what's very important is that you become the director, the writer, the producer, and the star of the show. Because if you don't, somebody else becomes that, and they're scripting out your role in your life and society, and that's what has happened for the past couple of hundred years, thousands of years, right? Uh-huh. You know, so when a little child sits in kindergarten, he's assigned a role as a boy, and a girl is assigned a role as a girl. He's taught that he's more valuable than the girl, and the girl is taught that she's less valuable. The black boy is taught that he's less valuable than the white, white boy, right? So, you know, society is prescribing these roles, and I say that we have to seize control back, understand that the brain is the hardware, and the software is the thoughts, right? And we can change that software. And it is the same process, right? It is the same process. The process is the same. The hardware works perfectly. It's a matter of what software is being downloaded into it. Uh And as we become aware, as we become conscious, we can consciously reconstruct the software and begin to delete the old software. Yeah, you, I, I think that's really powerful. And I guess I, got, I would like to ask another question because I know you mentioned um, how we can kind of identify that awareness is based on, hey, like, does this feel good? Like, like at our core, does it feel yeah. good? And so I did kind of, I, yeah. I thought to myself, I wouldn't know that answer within myself, but then I'm just thinking from a community perspective. Mm-hmm. Let's say if we're talking about a community that's experienced a whole lot of trauma and pain to where that feeling may be more consistent to the point where you can numb. What type of solutions yeah. to kind of get towards that awareness may work for someone to where it's kind of, you know, those kind of emotions of, hey, this is a really toxic problem or this is a really um, uncomfortable problem, but they're kind of numb to it to where, hey, 
you know, it is what it is. This is going to be what it's going to be. Um, and I think for me, listening to it, I know, hey, this person maybe has checked out. If they're saying it is what it is, but it sounds really bad. But I'm wondering if that feeling towards them internally is just numb. What kind of solutions can we pose to maybe a, an individual who may be experiencing that form of numbness, but kind of to have that, you know, push them towards that awareness? I, I don't know if that question makes sense if I'm asking right. Yeah, I, I mean, it definitely makes sense. So if we take a look at, um, we, if we look at history, right, if we go back a couple hundred years, right, and we see our people coming out of conditions that were insanely incomprehensible in terms of the trauma, right, and we see some of the that works. So if we take a look at Garvey, right, Marcus Garvey and his mm-hmm. movement, so Marcus Garvey was really looking at redefining who we were, were as a people, right? Identifying with our culture as African people, our roots, right? So, you know, he's taking a look at we need to we need to change the software. We need to change the program, right? Rise up, you are proud people, right? We see the Nation of Islam doing the same thing constantly, consistently, right? Through food programs, education programs, right? By changing the dress, right? We see this. So now there's a nation of Islam uniform. No matter where you go, you, if you see, you know, certain people dressed a certain way, you think about the nation of Islam. This is reprogramming the software to a traumatized community to, to, to begin to identify with their culture, their history, and who they are as a people, right? So when we look at it from the perspective that you're speaking on, from a sociological perspective, it, 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 the, the blueprint is still the same. It is to come in and deconstruct the identity, deconstruct the illusion, and take it away and then put it back together in a way that serves you, but the process remains the same, to be immersed, to be inundated, to be overwhelmed by the, by, by the new software, right, the new information, the new identity, the new behavior, right? So we see this in the black power movement as well in the 70s. Dr. G, we see, if I, we see this throughout. Dr. G, if I could sneak mm-hmm. in here. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I think what's being asked, I think, there's a different, I think there's a different question being asked, and so I'm going to try to angle it and, and see if I can have you call this perspective. So the perspective that I think I hear um, Ty asking is, did, think of it not so much from you know the traumatized group, even though she kind of mentioned that. She's it's coming from the individual mm-hmm. perspective. So individually, right. I'm mm-hmm. having this discontent but it could be two things. She mentioned someone who's now numb to the discontent, so therefore they're not going to think to do any of the process that you're talking about. And I would even offer um, that even people that are not necessarily got to the point where they're numb, but this bad feeling is going to be related to other things because they've never been introduced to what we're talking about here, which would be the need to reprogram. So if you're having this discontent, and as, and as Ty said, she's in a space in her life where she can relate and do exactly what you said. She can recognize, okay, I'm having some discontent. My soul, my whatever is not sitting well with this. I need to, in a sense, have this inner dialogue. But before I ever got myself included, I can put my own self in this, before I even became aware of the fact that this difference existed, that subconscious and conscious thought, like you mentioned earlier, before I was aware of it, I was always relating it to maybe I'm depressed, maybe I'm, which could be the case too. But again, 
whatever you're calling it and being unaware of that is coming from an inner dialogue. The question that I hear her asking is uh, waking someone up to be able to, 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 to become aware. Like what's the, you see what I'm saying? Like what, not, 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 not what's the process to change it, but just even the process to awareness. I'm, I'm not, I think that's, Identifying what you're asking, Tyler. You can clear. You can jump in and clarify. Yeah. If not. Yeah. yeah. So does that make sense, Doctor G? Versus just saying, "Hey, the process has to be this." That doesn't work if I don't know I need to do it. Does that make sense, Doctor G? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's a very difficult and challenging mm-hmm. scenario for someone who doesn't think or they're not aware of their own pain and drama, um, I mean, what can you do for well, them? Well, they're, they're aware you know, of the I mean, pain I, and drama. They're just not aware of this dialogue helps improve it, like becoming aware of their, you know what I'm saying, their ego, give it, making them fearful or whatever. Right, but when I, when I, hear, when I hear that someone is numb, right, like they, they're not feeling, right, like there's just disconnected, they're, they're not in touch, right, so they're not feeling. Um, you know, pain is the great pain is the is the greatest motivator, right? I mean, so like we're, we're motivated by two things: the pursuit the pursuit of pleasure and to escape pain. And so, you know, we see this in in in, in the recovery community. Until someone bottoms out and and and, and experiences the pain of their condition, they have to accept that before there can be some change. Right. So, so if if I'm numb, if if I'm if I'm not even aware, it's very difficult to bring about change. Right. Until until the person feels the pain. Right. So, like even even with the human body. Um, hey, Doctor G, let me jump in real quick. Got to go to a break. Sorry about that. We only let you finish that thought coming out of the break. Do apologize. All right. All right. Everybody out there listening, if y'all please jump in at six four six. Seven eight seven one six nine one. We offer just a break this morning's discussion question: Eternal dialogue, ego versus inner voice. Which is which? We'll be right back. Where all I ask is that you think. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreage Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emoreg Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at EmoregDBS.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S.com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emores Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. <laughs> Who takes care of the good times, Jake? We're a team. The best pals, Jake. You want to get rid of me? You know life without me? No life without me. Do you know life without me? No, because it doesn't exist. Do they talk about me, Jake? No, because I don't exist. Protect Tell your you, friends about me, then, Jake. I protect you. I protect you, and I control you.
say you're scared. You should! Been listening to the other side, haven't you, Jake? Listening to people that want to hurt you, Jake. New people. New! Not old friends like me. People you shouldn't trust. But me, I've been your friend forever. Since the beginning. Get rid of them, Jake. Forever. They're the enemy, not me. They're new! I'm old! I say they go! I say you do! Oh, wick without me. Wick. It's us against them, Jake. It's us against them. I'm coming to get you. You want to get rid of me, Jake? You want to make an enemy out of me? You want to get rid of me, do ya? Do ya? You want to get rid of me? Me, me, me. Boom. <laughs> Still here, Jake. How long have I looked after you? Can't win this one without me. Oh, no, no, no. You know why? I am you. You ain't me. The greatest con that he ever pulled was making you believe that he is you. You ain't me. I am you! You're not me. Come on! Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ty Tucker. This morning's discussion question, internal dialogue, ego versus inner voice, which is which? A special guest is Dr. G. As we hear a cut from one of my favorite movies, Revolver, and it's specifically a movie about ego, if you will. And so, Dr. G, um, just again, to kind of go deeper, and, let me, and again, I'll add even more clarity. So I think in NUM, I think Ty was really more referring to they've normalized. So if you think about some of our neighborhoods where our youth are exposed to a lot of things, in a sense, you wish they wasn't exposed to. So you normalize, and a lot of times when somebody lives in an area and they move to another area and realize, oh, life is not like this, it sometimes is, in a sense, the, um, you know, in a sense, the first time that they recognize, wow, it didn't have to be that way. And so, and and maybe maybe you're saying the same thing in a sense, because I definitely get that if you don't even recognize you need to, then you're definitely not. It's going to be hard to change. So that's I th- I'll say that's obvious i'm saying someone who's discontent but unaware of the need to go through what you just heard in that cut which is the character in that movie is literally starting to recognize hey i don't want to be controlled by what others say because your ego will allow that to happen right but the ego tries to settle you and if if to try to explain some of what was in that cut the ego um settles you to well tries to comfort you and say I am you and then and as we're saying here today there's an inner dialogue that's more true than your ego could ever be but you and I both know the ego fights to to be in control so we're trying to just go deeper into the individual mind if that makes sense and I think that's where she's coming from with that question if you will so I hope that helps um, but definitely jump in um, Dr. G and kind of give us in a sense your thought about that internal one-on-one battle with ego. Uh, uh, and, and and trying to figure it out, even though you know there's some discontent, but you don't have you don't know, have the know how. Yeah. So 
and, and understanding it that way, if I'm working with an individual, you know, one is, is you know, I'm going to begin to um, teach and train the individual to challenge the ego. I mean, like, this is what I do. I, I mean, like, I challenge the ego. I curse my ego out at certain times. <laughs> like, you know, you know, nah, what the hell? No, if you're not serving, then you can't engage in this conversation, right? Because the ego has to be the servant and not the master. So, you know, helping them make that distinction and challenging that void, that ego, so that they understand this is not who you truly are, and you need to cuss it out. You need to be very profound and profane with that because um, it's not serving you. And how do you know that it's not serving you, right? You know it because there's a depletion of energy, right? The E is the judge, jury, and the executioner. It is your biggest critic, right? So there are times when it's beating you down. There's times when it's bullying you, right? It's telling you that you can't do something. You're not good enough, right? This is what the ego does. And so we get in this internal struggle, and it just, as a parasite, siphons our energy, right? So the first thing is to recognize that this construct has been taught to you, and it's not who you truly are. And you must, the same way if I came to you and said, if I came to you, Montoya, and said the things in your face that your ego says to you, we would get in a fight, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, you're damn right. Right? We would. Damn Absolutely. Right. And if you did the same to me, we would get in a fight. It would, it, would, it would just be automatic, right? And so to understand that you must challenge your ego, you must fight it, and, and, and put it in its proper place. And this has to be done consistently, constantly, repetitiously, Right? And so, because the ego has a certain vocabulary, so we have to begin to delete that vocabulary, right? So, you know, like, so like, so like the vocabulary of the ego is in absolutes, right? You never, you never able to do anything. You always do this, right? You can't, right? You must, right? These are absolutes, right? There's no black and white in it. I mean, it's black and white. You can't, you never, you must, you always, right? And so, so understanding that for myself, what I do on a daily basis is like, I'm like, yo, shut the hell up. You can't be involved in this conversation unless you serve me, right, so consistently. So that's one of the things that I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it in a couple of different ways. One way I'm going to do it is that I want my clients to script it out, right, because I want, I want, I want the experience to be multisensory. So I want you to write it down. I want you to use your phone and use the voice recorder on your phone, right, to, to, to make short voice recordings of affirmations, right? Um, I want you to uh, listen to things that build your vibration up and your energy up consistently, constantly. I want you to move your body, right, and at the same time, because, you know, you and I have talked about, to me, the power of celebration, right, where you're celebrating yourself, right, every, every milestone, and, and I've shared with your listeners before, I was, I was down so low that I celebrated tying my shoe. And when I made a bow, I was like, beautiful, perfect. That's an incredible bow, right? Because I'm retraining my mind. I'm, I'm, I'm taking control from the ego. I'm changing the vocabulary, and I'm putting superlatives in. Beautiful, incredible, remarkable, powerful, unstoppable, resilient, right? This is now the new vocabulary that's being downloaded into my mind so that it can be embedded into my subconscious. So I'm going to be teaching my client to do those types of different things, and it has to be multisensory. Right? It's what you watch, it's what you see, it's what you hear, it's what you feel, right? so, that, so that we can turn up the volume on the experience. 
Does, does that make sense? So. No, it makes sense. I'm gonna get tied back in here as well. I'm gonna tell you something that stood out um, in what you what you when you first started delivering that the vocabulary of the ego. You never this or you ain't that. And all I thought is a lot of that vocabulary when somebody is made to be aware of even the discussion that we're having today. Again, we know that it starts with awareness. And so when I heard you saying that language, I'm thinking about how many of us that language has come from what we heard as a young child from a parent, from an uncle, from a, from our friends so consistently that yes. here's the breakthrough, if if you will, is you now accept this as something that's true about yourself. And when you understand what we're talking about today, you will find out that that's not even true, even though you began hearing it at a younger age and now your own voice repeats it. You know, you're 27, you're 37, and come to find out it wasn't even true. That's what kind of made me, that's what kind of popped out of my head. So if you will, a quick thought on that, Dr. G, and we'll go to Ty. Yeah, so it becomes it becomes pervasive in the environment. Everything in the environment supports that you're never, that you're not, you ain't, you know, all of this and that, right? So if you turn on the television, you see the, the criminalization of black men and black women and children, right? So that supports you're never going to, right? You know, if I've done workshops in prisons, right? And, and, and I've asked guys, how many of you thought that you would be here in prison or dead by the time you was 21? And almost 99.9% of them raised their hands. Mm-hmm. Right, because this is what they were socialized to think. It's, it's the images on television supported throughout the, the society, throughout the culture. Right, so yeah, once we become aware that um, this illusion, this big hoax has been placed on us, we can deconstruct that, right, and get to the true essence. And, and so we can use certainly African culture as part of that solution, um, but the process is the same: is that you must be totally immersed in the medicine just as you were totally immersed in the toxins. And this is why most people fail to do it, is because it requires consistency. Right? But the question is, what is it that you're fighting for? You're fighting for your life. Right? You're fighting for your life. Right? And it take, it have, you have to be constant and consistent. You have to be totally immersed in, this, in the medicine. Because it's 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 omnipresent. The toxin is omnipresent. Okay. Ty. But once you make that breakthrough, oh, I'm sorry. Once you make that breakthrough, once you make that breakthrough, um, it's you know. And and and, and let me say this, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm you know give some airspace. One of the things that 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 you see throughout every story of every hero, every superhero, you look at the story as the same. The story has been told the way in different ways for thousands of years. Every hero, every superhero must be able to take a super ass weapon because that requires them to dig deep and search and feel the pain and come to the truth of who they are and what their power is. And it's the same way in life. We have to take ass weapons. And depending upon how high you want to ascend, it depends upon how deep and intense the ass whooping is going to be. But it's all meant to prune, to take off the mask, right? to get in touch with the pain and understand the illusion. We're taking the ass whooping because we prescribe to the illusion and then come to the, to the true self of who we are. That story is told in 
in every way for thousands of years. I don't care. You can turn the TV on and watch a superhero. He's going to take a super ass whipping during the story. And it's the same. So we've got to get in touch with that pain so that, that's, that that brings about the change so we can discover who we are. Okay, great. Um, Todd, we got about a minute before break, so I don't know if you want to give us some quick thoughts and then I don't know if you have any more questions, but we can try to do them after the break because I don't want to have you ask a question and he can't answer it. But if you can give a, a quick thought to what you're hearing, then we'll go to break. Yeah, I, I think everything that I'm hearing is very powerful. Um, I, I think even talking about how, you know, a lot of the voices that we kind of hear could probably kind of come from childhood. And I think that that's the hard part when a lot of maybe those voices came from the people that we love the most. And so when you, you know, and we, who we love the most and are, who are also linked to our survival. And so that makes it even mm-hmm. more impactful, you know, and, and so, and so and that's why, yeah, yeah. And love, you know, you know, love, our survival, our known. And so um, when, when I heard the doctor basically say, you have to remember though, that you're fighting for your life, you know, you know, for you kind of to, you know, get to uh, go through the pain, you're fighting for your life. But I think also on the reverse side, there are, a lot of people say the same because they're fighting, fighting for what's familiar, and they're fighting mm-hmm. to stay in the know mm-hmm. with some people, you know, yeah. because then that yeah. that kind of confirms their environment, that confirms reality for them. Oh, that's very powerful. Let's go to, let me make this announcement, and we're going to go to break, and we'll come back and continue um, this conversation. But if y'all know anything about me, I love to introduce you to kings and queens helping to raise the culture. So I'm very excited to introduce our listeners to our latest sponsor, Isabel Drawn, as she puts on the Loud Whisper Reignite Your Voice Women's Conference. I interviewed her recently, and this is what she had to say about the conference. Friends, it's a place that you will come to experience. It's really an experience. And I know that a lot of us think, well, here we go with another conference. Same thing. You go for a day or two. You get motivated. You get empowered and you leave. And two days later, it wears off. This is totally different. This is a conference where you will come to make a shift in your life. This conference is not like any other conference. It's a place... Queens, if you want to change how you show up in the world, I highly recommend the Loud Whisper Reignite Your Voice Women's Conference, September 10th, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Get your tickets at IsabelDrawn.com. Again, that's IsabelDrawn.com. People are not able to chase their passion because of economical benefit it creates a false state of being and a false state of mind, thus creating an ego leading to split personality and you become like follow the leader. A person can take you and lead you anywhere. You got to overcome that, you have to be strong. Mental capacity, so I come to places like this by the riverside and for some strange reason when I hear the breeze blowing coming through the leaves of the trees and I hear the river going, it does something to my mental capacity. So I know for a fact, without a professor of science have to tell me, we are made for nature, so we are healed by nature. You have to come to nature for the healing. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ty Tucker. This morning's discussion question, eternal dialogue, ego versus inner voice, which is which? As we hear one of the remedies, which is to get out in nature, which is something that Dr. G loves to talk about. And before we get into that clip, if you will, Dr. G, uh, I love what, um, since you and Ty were both talking about right before the break, just the aspect of uh, that person being someone who you love and you're able to put in perspective that they only want the best thing for you, especially if you have that relationship with not tumultuous to the point where you even wonder, does this person even love me, right? And so it's someone that you love, that you know is care about you and has the best interest, but even that person still may have input not intentionally, again, just pointing out something that they didn't appreciate about you or whatever, and they intentionally put this one thing that you're hanging on to, and for you, you just accept it as your personal flaw, and your concept is, oh, I always do this, or I never, and you think you could never get over it, and again, if you found your true inner voice, you would, like you say, take that ass whooping and get over it if it's some type of physical limitation, if it be, and a lot of more times than not, it's a mental limitation that you put on yourself, and it's not even your flaw. Um, so, um, Ty, if you will, just give me some, again, you were kind of developing that thought before the break, so I want to make sure you finish up, and then we want to obviously hear what Dr. G has to say about how how we, you know, in a sense, speak to that inner child, if you will. We did a show on inner, inner childhood wounds from a, a couple of months back. But go ahead, Queen, kind of finish de- de- developing your thoughts on that. Okay, because, um, you know, and so I was thinking to myself, you know, it, um, people will fight for that familiar um, because it doesn't mm-hmm. require the same level of pain. It doesn't require processing. It doesn't really require um, the need for redefinition. If I, base, if I have to open up a wound, do I have to question, did my mother love me? Did my father love me when he said this? Did my, did my, did my cousin do it? What did my teacher mean by that? You have to really kind of go within to really reassess some of the most commonly used vocabulary every day. And I think that sometimes for some, um, depending on how, you know, how deep you want to get, you know, you may have to re-question what do some of these words that we just want to use just fluidly truly mean. Do you have to redefine it, or or can you instead of redefining it, can you just expand it? You know, um, or just understanding certain things. So I think that's a big part of the um, maybe some some fight to mm-hmm. stay within the familiar uh, of the familiar environment. And I think also sometimes it could just be linked to a whole lot of trauma and pain, to where it's just too um, it's just too much to open. <clears throat> So it's not necessarily like a simple comment or um, maybe a you know a disagreement, but just a link to a lot of trauma. And trauma before a certain age is can be even harder sometimes because you didn't have the language to put on it. And so no. that could be something that that, uh, that some people are trying to overcome too, to where it's just it, it's just a really hard fight um, to be in that space. But then I read somewhere one time where it said, pain flows throughout the family until the next person is ready to receive it. Mm. And until so the next person is what? Ready to receive it. 
And so, and I, and, and, and I, I think that they, you know, they use the word, you know, ready to receive it, like in a very, um, not like in a concrete kind of way, like I'm open for the pain, you know, but you know, it just flows throughout the family to the next person ready to receive it. And there, so, you know, if you're listening to this, just being cognizant that if you don't, if we don't, as an individual, choose to kind of go through some of the pain and do some of the work, when we do that baton pass off to the next people in line, we may be passing on the baton to the pain to the next person who's mm-hmm. open to receiving it. And so we have to think about how can we do our, you know, the work that um, that needs to be done within our family systems. Because for me, I'm a firm believer that, you know, healthy communities come from healthy families. And then healthy families are marked up with different individuals. And so the moment that one person in that family is ready to break that cycle or break that pain or open things up, it, it does kind of create some type of trickle effect within that family. It may not be rapidly, but, but at some point change does happen because people aren't going to be passing on the pain through you to the next person. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. And here's a word that, that comes to my mind, Dr. G, and I would love for you to address it because I think it relates to, again, we're really right now, if I'm, in my opinion, still focused on the awareness, right? Because, again, you can't fix this if you're unaware. And so sometimes the language that is now stuck in your head as an adult that you're still contending with is, in fact, come to find out when you break it down, it's a project. it was a projection sometimes that this loved one was sharing with you. Or, as you already mentioned, Dr. G, and the work that you've done with your book in, in trying to specifically focus on helping African-American boys, if you will, it's just even the projections of the entire education system, right? The projection of how far you can go and how far you can reach. Or here's a quick example that's just popping in my head right now, live on the air, is I got a brother that I follow on um, IG on, on Tim Jackson, and he talks about, for example, when he puts together programs for young boys to learn a specific trade or get into tech and things of that nature and saying, but on the other hand, if you put on a football camp, there will be lots of boys, whereas you might only get 10 or 20 boys for a, a, a tech camp. And I'm pointing out this example because it also speaks to a level of projection of even parents to a degree believing maybe what their children can or cannot be. And the football camp is loaded because we're in a sense focused on a one in a million chance versus the one in 1000 chance that is probably more appropriate, but if you don't project it, you will never send your child in that way. And as an individual, you can contend with those lower expectations, whether teacher or parents, unfortunately. So I know I said a lot. But please jump in there and, you know, make it relate because I know you can do that, Dr. G. <laughs> let, 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 let me, both, both the football and the trade is just a means to an end. And so you have a multitude of children going to the football because of the end result, right? And so if you were to put the end result of football players, which is living an opulent life, having wealth, having independence, 
And if you take those same images and put them on the side of someone who has a trade, having his own home, having one or two cars, being able to take vacations, it's the end result, right? So these kids want the end result, right? So if you start marketing someone who is an electrician um, or, or someone who is a fireman with multiple pieces of, of real estate who has, you know, the, the freedom and the time to um, vacation in different places around the world, you will get more children showing up be electricians and firemen because it is the end result that these kids are looking for, right? You see, you see what I'm saying? Right. So, 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 you know, we're seeing these athletes living these incredible lives. But I'm telling you, listen, I know, I know electricians that live incredible lives. No, I love it. And right. let me let me jump in real quick. Let me jump in because I love the, I love what you're saying, and I and I'm just kind of swinging the angle to to, to a degree. The parents will make the projections on the child, if you will, and sometimes limit where the yeah. child may head. The teacher yeah. may. Yeah, they operating the from the same software. Right, right, right. And so, so what I'm saying is back to the individual because I get, I get exactly why the kids, like you said, they look at the end results. But I'm saying back is the individual becoming, you as the individual becoming aware that, you know, in life, the projection that you have accepted may have came someone from yeah. their projection. So that's the dialogue. You should say so. Yeah. Just becoming aware that something you're believing wasn't something that was necessarily true about you. It may have been their projection, their limit on you. And just that the dialogue of under coming to understand that. Um, um, and then because maybe I took it too far or whatever, but I'm just kind of saying, you know, just back to the individual, like the process of them becoming aware that wasn't that, that person loves you. That was just their own personal perception that they put on you. And, and just even the process of that, because Ty talked about that, when you have to realize some of your inner voice may have came from someone from you love you, and as she said, you may question, did that person even love you? And you may come to realize, oh, that was their projection. They loved you, but their own situation is why they projected that on you. So just, that, you know what I'm saying, like that inner dialogue when you, when you have to go through the process that Todd talked about, because as she said, it's comfortable to remain, even though you need to go through the process. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, do you get uh, yeah, more from the individual than, you know what I'm saying, why the kids go after it, if that makes sense. Yeah, again, I mean, like there's, there is, you know, to become aware that you're unhappy or uncomfortable, that you're depressed, that life is not working for you, to become aware of that, you feel it, it's multisensory, it's in your body, it's in your muscles, your tendons, right? And, um, you know, to, to come to the decision that, you know, I've had enough. Yeah, how, does, know, how, does someone contend with, how does someone contend with having the understanding, let's say it was their mother, that now that they're, they, come, they come to their awareness and now they're struggling with, oh, man, this came from my mother. How does someone contend with that? Yeah. Because as, as Ty said, yeah. somebody might want, they don't want to even think about that, that their mother gave them this thing that they're contending with right now. So we're trying to get into the dialogue from yeah. you as an expert. Tell us how do yeah. I contend yeah. with my yeah. mother loves me, but she this projection has harmed me in my life. Does that make sense? Right, so, so understanding the generational legacy of that, that your mother was doing exactly what she was 
socialized and taught and trained to do. She's saying the same things to herself and about herself. She did the best that she could. Your father did the best that he could. He, 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 he received the same programming that you received. This is going on for generations. So to come to understanding that, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll make it personal in my own personal life, right? So in my own personal life, you know, like my hey, father. Hey, let me do this, Dr. G. We're at the top of the hour. So I want to hear that story right after the mm-hmm. hour. Sorry about the breaks, brother, but let me do this at the top of the hour. Right. Take care of my sponsors, and we want to hear that story right out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Truth Seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African-Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. Excuse me, we had some technical difficulties. I had something happen. It's never happened in seven years. I got knocked off in the middle of a commercial, so I'm pretty sure everyone was confused by the silence. But either way, we're back in hot and heavy into this morning's discussion question, eternal dialogue, ego versus inner voice, which is which. Special guest co-host Ty Tucker, as well as Dr. Gerald Hassell, as we call him, Dr. G. So if you will, Dr. G, tell us about that personal dialogue. Again, we're very focused on the individual and their process of what they're experiencing. If we've been fortunate enough to make them aware that, hey, there's an inner voice that you, in a sense, need to address. You need to, as you said in the very beginning of the show, seize control. So we're definitely coming from that perspective. So, yeah, if you will, can continue your personal story about that process for yourself. 
Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and just cut straight to the chase. So you have a mother who may be saying things to the child that's a part of the generational legacy that creates, you know, pain in their lives, right? Same was in my situation as well. And so I've, I've worked with people to understand, so I ask the question, is there any evidence in your life that, you know, there's a, a person whose mother said these things, that, that, that your mother loved you? Is there any evidence, right? And I had to look at the evidence from my father, right, that my father loved me. So like, I was like, wow, let me look at the evidence. The evidence, my father protected me, right? He stayed in the family. He provided for me, right? You know, he clothed me, he fed me, right? So I started looking at the evidence, and I teach my clients to look at the evidence. Even if you have to look at the fact that, wow, my father gave me a DNA and the genes where I have a healthy body, and so because I'm healthy, I'm able to do A, B, and C. Wow, beautiful, love it. And so what, I, what I'm going to do is, is, is to point to the evidence of love rather than the evidence that caused the pain. So I'm going to change my focus, and I'm going to teach you to change your focus, right? So now if I could tap into the evidence, and I can have a young man saying, you know what, my mother said A, B, and C, but she really said it, and she loved me, and here's the evidence that backs that up, right? Now I can remember that my mother, she, she, she protected me. She, she, she fed me, right? She got up in the morning and worked two jobs, right? But she did the best she could. That's the evidence, right? So now let's just take that evidence and begin to build on that evidence as a part of reconstructing your new story, right? Wow, my mother loved me because she protected me, she fed me, she clothed me, she didn't abandon me, right? And we build a whole new dialogue, conversation around the evidence of love rather than the evidence of pain. It makes a lot of people sense. Oh, I'm sorry. In my, own, in, my own, yeah, in my own personal life, right? My father's been dead for decades. But now in my prayer and meditation, I'm able to go into a space of gratitude and say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Daddy, for, for, for protecting me, for providing for me, for not leaving the family. Thank you. Right? Because the evidence that I'm focused on is the evidence of love. And we can all change our focus. Because right? some people, we get addicted to the pain. We get addicted to the neurochemical components of pain. And so we want to stay in it because it gives us cortisol, adrenaline, energy, right, or whatever. But when we change the focus to the evidence that is really present, we can find evidence of love and build a whole new story around that and change the relationship completely. Like my relationship with my father, even though he's been dead for decades, is totally different because I chose to focus on the evidence where he loved me. Now, that really resonates for me, Dr. G. Todd, I, uh, any, again, just, again, you do this work, you're having to deal with, you know, not only children, but adults, if you will, that are, as you say, experiencing some of what you're talking about. So does anything Dr. G says, is, you know, relates, and we'll get to the caller after you, after you give your comments, Queen. Um, yeah, I can go like in different directions in regards to that. Um, but, you know, I definitely agree with what Dr. G said. Um, I think just even within my own family, um, you know, I, um, there was like a lot of this pain in my relationship with my father until more so I looked at 
I, and I'll use your language, um, the evidence that the love is there and has always been there. And I think that that has, you know, tremendously you know, improved our relationship to where I focus on the, uh, the areas in which he's consistent now, you know. And as a result of just focusing on that one thing of, hey, this person is very consistent in this area, um, that we're able to slowly build on other things and what was kind of happening back there and allow someone kind of to tell um, their narrative, their truth, because ultimately I don't want the baton of pain to be passed to me for me to uh, pass it on to somebody else. And so, and so yes, we definitely agree with that. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. One more thing before we get to the caller. Can you even recall, as you obviously sounds like brilliantly have taken advantage of what Dr. G is suggesting here. You were doing in a sense on your own to mend, relate, mend the relationship. It sounds like, can you recall some of your inner dialogue prior to making these positive steps? Like, you know, what type of, can you recall maybe even something personally, your inner dialogue was this prior to, you know, to the things that are starting to mend within that relationship what were you believing that now you're able to move away from just to even give somebody insight on uh, internal dialogue, to, if that makes sense? No, no, of course. Um, and so for me, I'm going to say what I thought. And to be honest, I still think it's true, but <laughs> I just changed my focus. But, 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 what it, but what it was was, honestly, if you would have been around, things would have been a lot easier for me. And mm-hmm. I am – really frustrated with you because now you want this, you know, and the thing is, but he's always wanted that relationship, you know, but it was still very, you know, things just would have been like a lot easier, you know, like I was, you know, because I'm very tall, so I would have maybe felt kind of like, like, like more comfortable with like another tall person. And, you know, I do think that people treat your family differently when there's not a man in the house and people know that there's not a man in the house, you know? So it's like maybe this wouldn't happen if, you, if you're there. And, hey, maybe that's so. Maybe. You know, however, while I have you here on earth, I really do want to focus on the places in which you're consistent now. I want to focus on um, who you are, where you've been, you know, and, and just be excited about that relationship. And I think initially, maybe those first conversations, you know, you do kind of, I wouldn't say, I never wanted him to feel the sting that I felt, but I definitely wasn't going to let off the gas until I kind of got the answers that I personally needed to kind of go, okay, I can welcome you into my life comfortably. Um, But, you know, hearing someone else's story that that wasn't anything personal. That had nothing to do. Uh, that had nothing to do with me. Therefore, making sure I didn't define the identity of who Ty is, who I am as a person, based off of this person's absence. When you have, when, when you come from a home in which you don't have a parent there, not to sound like that, but that's their loss. That's something that they have to think about. You know, you know that's that's not a fault and or a blame of yours. And so uh, I think yeah. for me, I never, never went too far with that because I felt like this person should be, you know, hurt enough because they didn't get to see the, you know, you know, the person and really be a part of that process of me, you know. And, and he, and he's acknowledged that a lot, so I don't have to kind of go too much into, you know, no, I, that I, I, type I, I, of dialogue. That makes sense. You know, but sense. let me get to the caller. Yeah, definitely. Let me jump to this caller. Area code six zero nine last three eight nine one. 
Give us your name, where you're calling from, and give us your three cents or question on this morning's discussion question. Good morning. My name is Marilyn. I'm calling from Atlanta. Hey, how you doing, I'm Queen? Hey, I'm good. We've missed you, but go ahead, Queen. I'm still writing that book. Sometimes I cannot always be present at all things. But um, on the topic of fathers, you know, we talk about fathers being absent. And sometimes even when he's present in the home on a daily basis, your father is still absent, you know. So it's it's the presence, it's the relationship that defines the father-child relationship. Um, my dad was there most of the time. I wish he wasn't. Um, he was disrespectful to my mother, my sister, and myself. Um, the one thing I took from it, I heard the mail caller say something about, you know, making, bringing the best out of it. In other words, what was there that I could, I could draw from? Where was the love? And the one thing I realized was that I found myself, whenever I got into a relationship, once the male or the man in the relationship started showing characteristics of my dad, I would break it off. And that saved me from a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of abuse. So sometimes a person can teach you what to do, but then sometimes a person can be a lesson to tell you what not to do, what's not acceptable. So these are the things that I bring to my ministry. These are the things I bring to my mentoring and mentoring young girls and, and, and our sons and our daughters. You know, you have to take, because nobody has a manual. Nobody knows a person's history. And the one thing I would like to bring out today is if you're parents or your grandparents are still around, please sit down and talk to them. They are our walking history. You can learn so much that you cannot learn anywhere else if you sit under the, to, under the, the foot of the elders. You know, sit at the knee of the elders and draw everything you can draw from them. I grew up where, you know, anybody over 30 was not to be trusted, so we never really got involved and sat down and had the conversations that I wish I had now. I wish I had the answers to the questions I wasn't smart enough or, or in tuned enough to ask. Thank That's my three your, cents. <laughs> all right. Thank you for your three cents. We are up against the break. I see my brother Kevin trying to jump into this thing, so Kevin will get you out of the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, Smith Harvey, where you find that Prince sign of the times on vinyl at? Real talk, you got a dope vinyl collection. What, you been collecting them, like, over the years or something? No, actually, I just started my collection. But my man Tobago over at DBS Sounds, he be hooking me up. You remember DBS Sounds? On the south side? They still around? I figured most of the record stores in Atlanta be closed by now. Hey, vinyl is the new wave, and DBS Sounds got the best collection in town. You can still go there and flip through vinyl. They still got CDs and mixtapes, too. Let me check their IG page at DBS Sounds ATL. They still be having artists in stores and everything. Hey, you want to run by there? Hey, man, I ain't got time right now. I got to go back to Cali tomorrow, but I might have to catch them next time. I'm in. Oh, nah, you good. Even when you get home, you can just shop at their... The worst betrayer you will ever experience is not from others but yourself. The relationship that you have with yourself is the foundation for everything that you want in life. See, as women, we tend to betray ourselves a lot because we struggle to keep boundaries. We struggle to keep boundaries because we have essentially, unconsciously 
lost ourselves in the roles we play in life. I'm going to replay that cut because I'm having cutouts during the commercial and they cut out the beginning. So um, let me play that cut again because I want a response before we go to Brother Kevin that's waiting online. The worst betrayer you will ever experience is not from others but yourself. The relationship that you have with yourself is the foundation for everything that you want in life. See, as women, we tend to betray ourselves a lot because we struggle to keep boundaries. We struggle to keep boundaries because we have essentially, unconsciously lost ourselves in the roles we play in life. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, which along with special guest co-host Ty Tucker, Eternal Dialogue, Ego versus Inner Voice, Which is Which, and I would just like to highlight from Marilyn's calling, I love the idea of sitting with your grandparents because I related to, or I will say more or less of some of what you said earlier, Ty, the idea of pain will pass through a family until, and, and in a sense kind of find itself to the next person until someone stops it. And so if there's even an issue with a, your mother or father, for example, as, as we seem to be focused on the family in this moment, um, sometimes you will actually find the answers from doing exactly what Marilyn said. If you actually dig and, in a sense, even ask the hard questions, find out your grandparents' experience if you're fortunate enough to be able to do that. And then a lot of times it will help because at the end of the day, here's the reality of the inner dialogue. Dr. G, if you could give a quick response to this, and then we're going to go to Brother Kevin. At the end of the day, the internal dialogue is is yours and yours alone, whether you become aware of a a projection that was put on you or whether you become aware of a generational thing that's passing through your family, you're going to continue with it and hopefully deal with it with some of the things we're saying, but it will affect your life even if you do not. And ultimately, despite whether it was someone's projection, intention, someone who should have loved you or did not love you, if it as you said, Dr. G, finding the good will be, in a sense, the only way because sometimes that person is no longer here, and if some people never get that answer, they never get this internal dialogue correct for themselves because they falsely believe they need to hear the right thing from that other person, and that's not how this internal dialogue thing works. So, Dr. G, if you could jump on that, and then I'm going to go to Brother Kevin after you. Yeah, so at a, at a certain point of awareness, then the opportunity becomes to develop your own personal dialogue rather than the one that's projected on you. And you can make that anything that you want it to be, right? So, um, like, I talk about scripting things out, being a director, the producer, the writer of your own show. I don't care who you are. We're all involved in a story, right? Some of that story is based on fact. Some of it is based on fiction. I've come to the conclusion, and I did this many years ago in my 20s, is that I'm going to write my own story. So begin to write your own story and then grow into it. Every self-help book, every motivational, every, every, the Bible talks about this. Everything talks about this, is that you write your own script, right? And just write it based on the evidence that serves you, all right? 
allows you to tap into the medicine so that you can begin to heal rather than the toxin. No, it makes a lot of sense. Let's go to Brother Kevin out of South Carolina. What you got for us, King? Hey, man, that, uh, uh, the, the last three or four that spoke uh, dead on point. Um, I was listening to the uh, the um, the uh, lady, the sister there, and um, she said a lot of things because I, I, I I come from that type of lifestyle and what I wind up doing. And like she said, you can learn from what was not taught to you or learn from someone's bad example of, of what they brought you up to be. And then I, while I was sitting there listening to all of y'all, I was like, you know what? I tell people too, you know, you need to be able to forgive yourself for not knowing those things that you mm-hmm. were not taught. Mm-hmm. And I then like learning from other positive people that you can surround yourself around in order to bring your, you know, your children or your family members or your friends or, you know, I notice a lot of times we got celebrities, especially down there when you were in Atlanta, some of those big time celebrities were homeless, but they somehow took the people that were around them and built their lives to be some powerful, you know, <laughs> so, that guarantee of having this, this so-called family that's all perfect and whatnot, a lot of them are not as perfect as you think they are. Sometimes they, they are a crutch to you because they bring you up in, a, in, a, in a, a lifestyle that says you only can do things this way, and it, and it hinders you. I, I mean, I've been, I grew up in a certain lifestyle, well, different lifestyle, actually, that I thought about it. If I wouldn't have had that lifestyle that I was brought up in, I would have been further along than I am now, you know, versus someone who kind of like putting a governor on your life. Sometimes it's better not to even have all that in your life. Like people, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. No, you're making sense. You're making sense. I'm following you. Yeah, certain religions, you know. Yeah, I I was brought up in certain religions that, that, put a filter on everything. It didn't open me up to a lot of different things. It ain't until I got grown and got away from that that I was like, oh, man, wow. Look, man, look at this. Look at all this out here. But because you were part of these different things, they hindered you, and your parents thought they were doing the best they could, but they didn't know no better. You know, uh, it's just so many things, you know, and, and our people tend to hurt from it the most. Because we didn't have a culture that protected us from all these things that are out here in this world, you know. And like we say, we fitting for ourselves, and our kids even worse because they grew up with even sometimes even less far as the personal, uh, you know, moral lives. Because <laughs> now they open up to all kind of crazy stuff, you know. But we put so much pain down on them. We put so much judgment on these young people. And you, like I said, many of them don't have fathers. Many of them don't have grandfathers. I go. Y'all used to go to my kids' award ceremonies. These kids, they're by themselves. That thing used to hurt my heart so bad, you know. So they go to, you know, take the little picture and show their award, and they, the mm-hmm. teacher would turn them, or the principal would turn them around, and there's no one there standing to take the picture. I'm like, wow. So you just watch this child's face just goes back to their feet, and there's just so much heartbreak, you know. That's, you know, but I don't know. It, 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 it's a it's a very complicated world, especially being a black person in this land <laughs> to grow up 
and and, and navigate through this mess. No, I'll, I'll say this to you, Kelvin. Yeah, I hope, you know, I hope to a degree anybody that's fortunate enough to hear this broadcast and we have someone like a Dr. G on, hopefully they pick up some tools to change that narrative because it's not that I disagree. However, Dr. G is living out a very different experience because of his ability to, as he said earlier, consistently immerse his inner dialogue with a whole new story. And so that's the answer that it's up to us as an individual to figure out. And I'm not putting that on anyone. I'm just breaking down, breaking down the process that Dr. G is giving us today. Ty, any thoughts to um, what Kevin's called in and said again, because I know you being in social work specifically, you deal with a lot of what you just heard from, from Kevin. So any thoughts to what he had to say as it relates to this morning's topic? Yeah, um, I, I I agree with a lot a lot of what he's saying. I think especially the you know when he came on, he said to forgive yourself for what you didn't know, you know. Oh wow! And then so forgive yourself for what you didn't know, and then also extend that to our parents and our ancestors. We have to forgive them for what they didn't know, and sometimes it does kind of come down to having these simple conversations and just in in a one on one conversation with both of my parents and different people throughout my family, I realized. You don't know that, you know, and sometimes as a child, you may not know this person doesn't know because because they're part of your livelihood, you know. So so in a way, it seems like they know everything because they're part of your safety, your security. When you get to like a certain age and you start having conversations with them, you start realizing you don't know that. And this right here is your realm. And how can you, you know, how can you attribute so much, you know, you know, like how can you not forgive a person that genuinely felt like they were doing the very best of what they could for what they had in their understanding level? And no, so I think sorry, sorry. Um, but I, I, so I do think that that conversation kind of is important. I think also to speak just like on the, you know, on the kids and your graduation, that, you know, that, that says something when there aren't people around to celebrate such a huge accomplishment uh, Dr. G, I, I think it was Dr. G or someone else who said that there are some people who thought that they would be dead um, before mm-hmm. the age of 21. And so you have someone graduating off, you know, and it's like, you know, towards this huge accomplishment. What does that say? You know, what does that say to someone in regards to, to let's say, if they did have a family available, but they just didn't come? And but what can we do, you know, you know, ask people in the community that now know this, how do we celebrate them? How do we find ways to make sure that we're part of that changing that narrative for them in the process? Because I think that we see a lot of what's kind of going on, but but sometimes when we kind of gather together, you know, it's like, well, what are those strategies if we see this within our community? How do they know this was a good thing? But they, it may look small because it's like, oh, but my mom didn't show. She basically said she had to go to work, you know, so it's work more important than this. And so it's like maybe not until that person gets older, well, they might understand, hey, our lights are going to be cut off. I'll so, lose my job. You know? so, so it's just different context. Sorry. No, you're fine. Um, I'll, so I'll say even in what you're saying now, I, I'm still contending that the challenge of this show is not what can we do for that person. It's helping that person figure out how to contend if they never even get that. Again, inner dialogue ego versus inner voice, which is which. I know I keep circling back, 
but I, I'm just highlighting that it's easy to get caught up in what we should be doing. I will say that's not the, and I'm just throwing it out just to circle us back to the dialogue is individually picking up what Dr. G is putting down, how he's just saying, hey, you know, giving his own story. This is what we had to contend to. So I'll throw this out to put you on the spot real quick um, because you just happened to mention it. You asked about, mm-hmm. like, hey, my dad might have could have helped me with being tall. Like, I mean, I'm assuming that your yeah. dad is tall or whatever. And so yeah. what I want to circle back to is just even highlighting, because, this, again, this is the gist of this show or the crust of this show is I know you've mentioned to that to me personally. What is, what is for example, because there's kids that go through this, what has been some of your dialogue specifically as a tall woman? Because typically, you feel me like the personal inner dialogue of getting comfortable with being tall because that's a, a inner dialogue that people usually are not aware of or do you like being tall? Like, what is that inner dialogue getting comfortable with yourself? Like, give, open us We've got about a minute and a half, so just open us up to that personal dialogue because, again, that's the crust of this show. Got it. Thank you so much for that, Montoya. Um, So if I can kind of pivot then away from my family into my current situation with school. And so in in my doctorate program, um, so so coming into my doctorate program, I got about a minute and a half, so just keep it in mind, something short, and then we can finish it after. All right, right, a minute and a half, I got you. Okay. I battled so many insecurities, and I'm still battling those insecurities within this new space. And a lot of my internal um, dialogue is that imposter syndrome. Are you good enough to be here? Are you confident to be here? And kind of what Dr. G is saying, I had to look for the evidence that kind of went against that narrative to basically say, but you got a 4.0 in your master's. You worked a full-time job, basically. Like, how could you not be? Do you think these people are paying you this much money to be at this school for nothing? And so (laughs) I had to learn how to ask myself better questions to get back down to the to 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 separate a, certain, a a couple of things. I know why some of this stuff is coming up because I'm in an isolated place, and so I have to understand. Okay, I'm going I'm going through the trenches. But one of the one of those things that we did, we can I can talk more about it when I come back. Oh, we can come back from the call. Yeah, let's do that. Let's put a break and let you get into what. Yeah, exactly that. Out of the break. But okay. I think me and I think me and Dr. G both love when you said you have to ask yourself better questions. So now we're getting again to the root of Got today's okay. discussion. <laughs> yeah, let's Thank bring you. it back to what we're focused on. We'll be right back. You're listening Thank to you. the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is what you think. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Edge Digital Business Solutions a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emoridge Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at EmoridgeDBS.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S dot com or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emores Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. 
But ego is the worst confidence trickster we could ever figure, we could ever imagine. Because you don't see it. And the single biggest con is, I am you. The problem is that the ego hides in the last place that you'd ever look within itself. It disguises its thoughts as your thoughts, its feelings as your feelings. It, you think it's you. People's need to protect their own egos knows no bounds. They will lie, cheat, steal, kill, do whatever it takes to maintain what we call ego boundaries. People have no clue that they're in prison. They don't know that there is an ego. They don't know the distinction. At first it's difficult for the mind to accept that there's some something beyond itself, that there's something uh, of, of greater value and greater capacity for discerning truth than itself. In religion, the ego manifests as the devil. And of course, no one realizes how smart the ego is because it created the devil so you could blame someone else. In creating uh, this imaginary external enemy, we usually, usually made a, a real enemy for ourselves, and that becomes a real danger to the ego, but that's also the ego's creation. There is no such thing as an external enemy, no matter what that voice in your head is telling you. All perception of an enemy is a projection of the ego as the enemy. In that sense, you could say that 100% of our external enemies are of our own creation. Your greatest enemy is your own inner perception is your own ignorance is your own ego welcome back to the mental dialogue talk show i'm your host montoya smith aka black socrates along with special guest co-host ty tucker this morning's discussion question internal dialogue the ego versus inner voice which is which our special guest is dr g if you will ty finish up what you're saying i definitely want to hear um dr g's viewpoint of that cut as well, but finish up your personal story as we kind of, again, focus on the inner dialogue and what we can do ourselves and the need to, because I love the examples you were given prior to the break of what you're having to go through and ask yourself better questions to process even what you're personally going through right now. So if you will, um, Queen, continue your story. Yeah, so, so right now it's about asking myself better questions. Um, because that the clip that you played from the movie Revolver is like, oh, you know, like that voice, you know, like maybe it's not as deep, you know, but it does sound a bit familiar of, you know, how did you get here? You know, maybe you don't belong here. And, you know, you are, you know, one of the only black students here. Um, you go to a CWI. Um, all of these things that are just constantly circulating, and I think it didn't help being a part of COVID to wear so much isolation. And so typically the things that I would be able to do to kind of get myself back into, like, you know, a great uh, a, a headspace, it's harder to do because those resources in that community still isn't here. So I feel like I'm kind of recreating from now that unknown. And I, but I like the challenge because now it's the unknown. Therefore, there's, anything could be possible. And so I'm asking myself better questions. I am coming up with three different alternative meanings, meanings to something, even when I don't have a question for it. Like, okay, so you think it means this, but can it mean this? Can it mean, can it mean A? Can it mean B? Can it mean, can it mean C? Just kind of to, like, expand my mind a little bit to not get so anchored um, in, in this self-doubt. And then I'm realizing a lot of this, a lot of these things is rooted in fear. Ro rooted in fear and rooted in the being found out, the being found out syndrome. 
what if they find out that I'm not that great? And that's okay. Up, uh, Go ahead. No, 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 you're good. I thought you were finished. I'm sorry. Now that you're bringing oh, up, so, no, you're bringing up so much, so many things that are beautiful and poignant to this conversation. And then it reminds me of when Kevin, in a sense, mentioned the, the example we gave you to that kid that turns there and there isn't anyone to take that picture with. And so this dialogue is specifically to help that child. Uh, or when he mentioned the idea of, um, you know, here in Atlanta, some people that are, you know, uh, Tyler Perry, who comes to mind, he was at one point homeless and, 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 you know, is obviously well known now. And if you go hear his story, he talks about doing some of what you're talking about now. And so, again, today's conversation is if you're that child that turned and there was no one there, this conversation helps you because it's going to be up to you to ask yourself better questions, if you will. Dr. G, I know there's so much that's been said. If you could just kind of jump on and kind of, you know, sum it up, if you will, just what you're hearing. And, again, the necessary battle that, as you said, even as a professional, you've had to do it as well. And then there's also, for as we said in the beginning, the point of even being aware of the need to do it because Quite often, we're searching for answers outside of us, and they will never come from outside of us. Go ahead, King. Montoya, can I make this Yeah, one? please, jump in. Go ahead, Ty. And just yeah, because of tight back, um, in this program, I had a conversation with my father about, about, and he eventually told me that he does not even know what a PhD is. And so we had a really good conversation. So for the, for the kid out there that maybe is at that graduation, no one's sitting there. I think what I had to learn at this stage is he'd, I'm waiting for a celebration from him of like, wow, this is what you're in, you know, and he didn't even know what that meant. And so it kind of ties mm-hmm. back to sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, forgive the people who just don't know certain things also. But sorry, Dr. G. That's what the no, that was there. a great example. Yeah. No, that was perfect. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Dr. G. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree with everything that has been said by the callers and the co-hosts. Um, and so again, you know, for the child who, um, for the child who doesn't have anybody supporting them, and you know, what I would encourage them if I was working with that child is to begin to live into the future of how you will support your family and your children if you have children. What would you do? How would you feel? You know, how, how, what kind, what kind of experience would you have to see your child? achieve certain goals and milestones because I want them to tap into the neurochemical response in the present time, even though they're focused on the future, right? And, and because one of the things that, and this is what I want to say to the listeners, um, make a decision to manage your imagination. Most of us are stuck because we are mismanaging our imagination. Our imagination is one of the things that separate us from the animal kingdom, as we know, but it is also um, a, a characteristic of being godlike because our imagination is infinite. Right? We can, no, there's no limit to what we can imagine. So make a decision to manage effectively your imagination because once you do that, then you can imagine things that allow you to tap into the power of who you truly are. Right? And, and so, so I just encourage listeners to do that. Script out your story. There's just no way around it. You are in a story, but you're not a story of your own writing and your own doing. Your co-host talks about, you know, how she has begun to develop her own story, right, and how she looked at evidence. 
right. and, and so there's, there's just no way around it. You have to seize control and write your own story and be consistent, be profound, right? Be angry about the illusion and celebrate being able to see yourself with more clarity. When I, before I start my day with affirmations, information, I, I end my day with that as well. So, I mean, like, you just have to be consistent with it because the other side of the equation is consistent in programming the story in your own mind. Now, that's so important what you just said. If I could just reiterate it for, again, maybe somebody listening and maybe getting open to some of what what they're hearing you say, Dr. G. Again, these are tools that you're going to use because at the end of the day, um, you know, you may not be responsible for the harm that came to you, but whether you've been told this or not and you see it on social media all the time, you are responsible for your own healing, and that can be quite difficult because the reality is where you're at, if it's not a place that you're happy about, it's a, a process. Of, no, no, go ahead, Dr. G. Really quick. Yeah, please go ahead, Dr. G. I think I, think, I, think I, w- I, I want to broaden the perspective on the word trauma, right? And I want to, for myself, I'm going to tell you, I put it in this perspective for me, right? So when I think about the trauma that my ancestors experienced, and I'm not minimizing anybody else's trauma, right? When I think about the fact that women were just brutally raped, babies were ripped out of their stomachs, right? You know, men were hanging from trees, right? And I think about that trauma, that that they went through generation after generation after generation. It helps me put my own experience in perspective <laughs> to say that, wow, you know what? If my ancestors went through that, they went through seeing their babies, if they had any kind of deformity, just being bashed up against a tree boiled in water, right? Dogs eating them, right? Fed to the wolves, right? If they went through that trauma, and in spite of that trauma, it was able to build HBCUs, institutions, banks, communities. And that DNA is a part of my legacy. Then I want to tap into that because I'm a link in an unbroken chain that spans back to the beginning of time of power, strength, resilience, termination, resistance. And so I want to tap into that part of the equation. And so when we talk about trauma, I'm going to encourage us as a community, because it's being a word that's being used very frequently now, mm-hmm. is to put that trauma in perspective and put it in perspective in a way that gives your ancestors honor and what they went through and what your responsibility is to do with what you have. Because our ancestors went through unimaginable hell and still, as my Angela said, still I rise. We need to tap into that. Right. That, that, that's one of the things that motivates me is that I know what my ancestors went through. Right? I know what they went through. And if they were able to go through that and in spite, I am the manifestation in the flesh of their vision that was something that they projected a thousand years, 500 years, 400 years into the future. I am the manifestation of that in the flesh, and so is everyone else that is listening to this program. I have the ability to warrior that's in my, in my DNA to fight this madness. 
Ty, how do you receive what Dr. G is bringing to the table when it comes to redefining trauma, especially as it relates to our ancestors, whether direct or, um, you know, spiritually or whatever the case may be? How do you receive that thought from Dr. G? Got about a minute before break, so just throwing it out. Got about a minute. Just let you know we got about a minute. We got another break. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, of course. So I'm just taking notes. Um, I agree. Um, I, I do think that we do have to find different ways to, to redefine trauma um, because sometimes then people will only um, center it only on the pain aspect. You know, and, instead of how Dr. G ordered it, I'm a link um, in an unbroken train. And so we do have to find different ways to kind of define this because you, don't, you want to find a way to kind of come um, to, to, to rise out of that. But we, I think that's just more when we come back from the break. Oh, sounds good. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. If you have a product or service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, again, contact me directly at 404-604-9477. If you would like to continue to support the return of Intelligent Radio, go to mentaldialogue.com and become a member and support and keep Intelligent Radio on the air. And as I said earlier, I wanted to highlight Isabel Drawn, our newest sponsor, as she brings you the Reignite Your Voice Loud Whispers Women's Conference. I was looking to get her on. She's been tied up. was hoping to get her on, but definitely wanted to highlight this upcoming conference and let you hear her speak about why her conference, the Loud Whisper. Reignite Your Voice Women's Conference is not your average conference. Here are some words from Isabel herself. And the conference, it's a place that you will come to experience. It's really an experience. And I know that a lot of us think, well, here we go with another conference. Same thing. You go for a day or two. You get motivated. You get empowered and you leave and Two days later, it wears off. This is totally different. This is a conference where you will come to make a shift in your life. And this conference, make sure you take your time for yourself. Yes, there's a cure for psychic sickness. The cure for psychic sickness is to be yourself. Because once you be yourself, your authentic self, go ahead, chase your passion. Be yourself. Once to be yourself, there's no space for ego. 
Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ty Tucker. This morning's discussion question, internal dialogue, ego versus inner voice, which is which? Our special guest is Dr. Joe Hassel, or Dr. G, as we affectionately call this king. And ultimately, the dialogue is becoming aware of your authentic self. So many of us never find that person. But if you will, talk, continue your conversation, you know, things you were saying prior to the break as we, in a sense, close out this last segment. Been an excellent dialogue thus far. But go ahead and continue your thoughts, Queen. Okay. And just I'm kind of sticking my, my closing out. Um, something that I did to kind of get to hear more of my inner voice is I started leaning on fitness. And, well, I've always been, like, going to the gym, but I started being more um, intentional about what I was doing at the gym for that mental dialogue. And I do these things called, um, let's say, like, like the mental health plank. And I started off, let's say, the goal was just to do 15 seconds. I did 15 seconds. So I basically kind of put my body in some form of, like, tension, so, like, that force pain, but kind of controlled pain. And I listened to everything that my body tells itself when it's undergoing pain. And I heard what it said loud and clear. I heard it. And after that, I dropped. Every single day, I kept doing it, and I told myself the new goal is for me to say, yes, I can. So when that voice says, no, I can't, I say, yes, I can. No, I can't, yes, I can. And so now I'm up to a minute to where I, you know, I can do anything I put my mind to. Whatever I tell my body to do, it's going to do because I said so. You know, when I need that ego part to kind of come in for that doubt, you know, it's like, eh, you know, like, you know, because it's good kind of check in with something, kind of to make sure I'm not going too far off the hinges. But I have control over that. Okay, now you can stop talking. You know, I know what I'm about to do. And so I'm doing that through fitness. And I'm learning how to put my body, because the thing is, when we go through trauma, our body locks up. Or when we go through some type of pain or something that wasn't expected, our nervous system, our body locks up. I'm trying to retrain my uh, my brain on what to say to itself, but also my body that it needs to breathe. Do not stop breathing. Make sure I get my rhythm and my breath together. So I do that. I, I'm mindful of what I eat. I still pick out a lot, but I'm conscious of when I eat certain things it's a lot easier for certain dialogue to kind of get through to me, and I'm going out into nature more and finding those simple things that I can do. But at the very minimum, I could do a plank on my floor wherever I'm at, and I can hear what it says, and that dialogue changed throughout the years. It, it, it's changed how I talk to myself. It's changed how, how I, uh, what I perceive myself to do, and it's helped me to recreate a new identity that I've taken from different spaces into new spaces. And now I'm realizing I am the cultivator of who I am and what I represent. And I've been doing all of that just through thinking. I love it. I love, I love so much of what you're talking about. There's so much richness and in, in, in this, in a sense, this being the final segment that, that's, that you basically offered deliverables. And I'll just put in this in perspective and let, then let Dr. G add to this or give his thoughts. Uh, but as I'm listening to you, just, 
and it's it's consistent with what's already been said, if you will, like Dr. G said, you have to be consistent. And so what you're talking about now, I love that example of you say I do it through physical fitness. So people can relate to the concept of physical fitness is in a sense a form of training. And so when Dr. G was offering from the very beginning, you have to be consistent. What he's in a sense in additionally saying is is exactly that. You would ha- you will have to train yourself to go up against that inner voice that has not served you, that ego, if you will, more so, that has not served you or will not serve you or tricks you into still being there. Because as you heard Ty point out, she's gotten up, you know, 15 seconds to a full minute, but those dialogues still take place for her. So I, I still, you know, don't eat exactly what I want, but I do a little better. That's an internal dialogue. And so it speaks to the fact that the ego, because it ha- because it wants to control you, and, and as some of the cuts mentioned, it will trick you and tr- it will try to stay around. So it will always be a part of the dialogue. However, the win is training yourself to, as she said, ask better questions, and the dialogue improves through training. Because here's ultimately how if you had – these issues, areas of discomfort or these things that you haven't been able to come because it was, quote, if it was passed down pain, if that was the case, no matter who it was through, then what happens, it, they didn't give it to you overnight. You heard it over time or you repeated it over time. So you essentially trained yourself into this area of discomfort. And here's a this queen laying out you almost have to reverse it and train yourself outside of it. That's part of what I go through in the therapy sessions that I've personally had with Dr. G. Um, the idea of celebrating myself is a process for me, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it way better than I ever done, you know, doing it. I, I, I jumped off a 33-foot cliff yesterday, and I'm proud of myself for it, if you will. So so learning how to celebrate myself, if you will. Um, but Dr. G, yeah, just kind of jump in because – Again, I think what we're saying now, yeah. if you've been listening throughout this show, we're, we're giving people tools that maybe you didn't know before today this is a tool. Maybe you didn't know that you may not get the answer from your father or your mother that you're looking for because you think that's the problem solver. No, it's this dialogue and finding something to attach to that you can have a better dialogue with yourself. That's the responsibility for your own healing and becoming aware and actually reclaiming control. Go ahead, Dr. G. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I love it. You know, I'm, I'm a fitness person, been that way all my life, so I love hearing what she says. Um, and what, we, what she did was it changed the interpretation of the experience, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, she went from interpreting the experience from a perspective of pain and discomfort and, wow, 15 seconds to saying, you know, something, something very different about the experience and interpreting the experience differently, right? It's like, you know, interpret it like, wow, I can do this, you know, it's possible, you know, wow, beautiful, fantastic. I did 25 seconds. I said I was going to do this, and now I'm being disciplined and consistent, and I am doing it. Actually, wow, I love that about myself, right? You change the interpretation of the physical experience, right? And this is what we have the power to do. So I love that. I love that. And the other part of it is that for the listeners, Here's, and, 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 you know, Todd has talked about asking better questions, right? And so here's a question to ask when you're in this space is, like, what is the opportunity, right? Mm. So when I work with my clients and they talk about problems and all that, I say, okay, so, so what's the opportunity here? 
that, that's a totally different mind mm-hmm. frame, right? So, wow, you know, my father was abusive and, 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 you know, he never said that he loved me. So, okay, so what's the opportunity here? Mm, that makes opportunity sense. Opportunity might be, well, you know, I'm going to look at different evidence. What did my father do? Well, my father taught me um, to be more affectionate to my children because he wasn't affectionate to me. So I now I've decided not to be like him. This is what one of the calls was saying. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I learned what not to be, right? So a profound question to ask is, what's the opportunity? No, I love it. Let me jump this in. Let me jump this in. We only got a few minutes because there was a couple reference points. I think Ty mentioned it and one of the cuts I played mentioned it. And this is, again, something that you will highly encourage. And it's partly why you moved and, you know, where you live at right now, Dr. G. And so people typically, when you get caught up in, especially in America, if you will, get caught up in the day-to-day consumerism and the busy schedule and we're on our phones and we end up being too busy to get out in nature. And what happens is people will hear the encouragement and quite often if they even try it, it'll be like one or two times. And they're like, well, I don't have time or I don't know what difference this makes because they don't understand the need to continue to do it to get the evidence of how nature can make you reset even when you didn't know. Like the nature itself is a form of healing because we are of nature, if you will, which was mentioned in one of the cuts. So we got about only a few minutes. But if you will, just highlight the need to add that to this process. Yeah, one is that, you know, when we're out in nature, we have the opportunity to be exposed to the sun, which is vitamin B3. Vitamin B3 is really actually not a vitamin, it's a hormone, and it regulates multiple systems in the body, one of which affects mental health, right? So we need to get more vitamin D. We need to be out. The other thing is that um, um, it's quiet. Right. And for when we're in nature, you know, we're, we're without us. One of the reasons why I love diving is, is because, you know, like there's just you and your thoughts. Right? And so oftentimes when people are in nature, they experience fear because they have been trained and socialized to think that which is natural is unnatural and that which is unnatural is natural. So we feel natural in more concrete man-made structures rather than we do in nature. And we experience fear. We experience discomfort, right? We experience all of the distraction, right? The bugs, all of that. So nature allows us to be in a space where we can begin to really hear that inner voice, that ego, right? And so then the other part is that, which I've been doing for the past couple of years, is that touching the earth, um, the earth vibrates and resonates at a particular frequency at a synchronistic with the human body. That frequency can be absorbed into the human body, right, and create healing in the body. So the earth actually heals the body when you connect it to it. Right? This is scientifically based. It reduces inflammation. Right? It, 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 it creates a healthy state on the cellular level. Right? So this is why when it, another reason why we need to do it. So many reasons why we should. But mainly part of it is that we are being really trained to distrust and be fearful of nature. Right? And we're being trained to think that that which is unnatural, being in concrete, man-made structures, is really a natural place to be. And to me, it's a definition of insanity when you think that which is natural is unnatural and that which is unnatural is natural. That's insanity. 
No, love it. We got about a minute, so I don't know if either of you want to give out any public information, if that even makes sense. I will tell you, I have full access to Dr. G. If anything he said to today resonates, he's been able to help a lot of our community members uh, through therapy. And again, uh, so I, I really highlight this, brother, if you will. But um, Ty, let me matter of fact, let me Ty's first time on the show. Ty, because we only got 30 seconds. Give them your how to follow you on IG because you you show people your planks sometimes when you're going through your process. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I do. Um, and so you do underscore ties, but T Y S, and then unraveling. U N R as in Ronald, A as in Apple, V E L L I N G. Thank you, Queen, for that. Need to. Thank you. Great show from both of y'all. If you need to get in contact with Dr. G, just contact me. I'll see y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. Excellent.